Hey everyone, welcome back to season three of the Scrubbed In Show. Before we kick it all off, just want to shout out our new platform, Peer. Peer is a platform that allows us to share our knowledge through quizzes, to learn, to grow an audience, and to earn a passive income. Whether it's medicine, healthcare, or something outside of it all, whether it be design, coding, or finance, everyone is a learner and educator. Check it out at www.peer.io to get involved in the future of social learning. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have with us another special guest. We have with us Cynthia, who is currently an anaesthetic resident in the US. However, she graduated from the Med School of Warwick in 2018. We happened to do F1 together and before doing F2, she decided to make the move across the pond to America. It's a massive pleasure to have you on the show today, Cynthia. How are you? Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm good, thanks. Just very tired from my day of work. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we've been trying to get this podcast done for a few weeks. Um, I'm sure Cynthia will tell us how on calls are in America. Um, but the interesting thing and what we wanted to kind of talk about is your journey from medical school, um, working in the NHS, then making the leap and working in America. As is the tradition is scrubbed in, we're going to take it all the way back to when you actually decided you wanted to study medicine um, and kind of pursue that career. Sure, sounds good. Um, so I decided I wanted to go to med school um, in my second year of undergrad. So I did undergrad in biomedical sciences. Originally thought, you know, I wanted to do science and like lab work because um, I really enjoyed lab stuff when I was in my undergraduate degree. Um, but then after a summer of lab research, I decided I wanted more patient exposure and like being able to work with people. Um, so I did a small like mission trip to South Africa for a month and worked with like a community um, clinic and a community orphanage in like a little area that was completely stricken by HIV and AIDS. And I was like, okay, you know what? I really want to be a doctor and I'm going to pursue the medical degree. Um, go through the whole medical training. So I started applying to med schools um, back home in Australia, as well as in the UK, um, via a program called International Medical University in Malaysia. Um, and that's how I ended up in the UK. So I did graduate medical school, um, went to Warwick in the UK, and then graduated in 2018. Uh, so that's like my whole journey of how I decided I wanted to do medicine and going to med school. How did you find the medical degree having done a different undergraduate was it a difficult transition uh, any advice for people that are making a similar transition soon because I feel people get a bit daunted you know medicine are you were you revising 24 7 is it a lot harder than your undergrad yeah I completely agree with that because at Warwick um, we had a lot of people you know from backgrounds that were completely not science related I had colleagues who were accountants, engineers, lawyers before med school, and then decided, you know, I'm going to go into grad med. Um, so it is very different because like you said, the studying is different, what the content is different, um, you know, what you have to understand and how you have to prepare. I feel like medicine is a commitment. When you choose to do medicine, you really have to put yourself out there and to continually study daily or, you know, whatever works for individual people. Um, so I think it's a change in how you study and also the content that you're studying. For me, I guess coming from a science background, like I kind of had a bit of basic understanding. Um, but for a lot of my colleagues, I know they really struggled and they were like, 
um yeah you know they just felt like they were completely out of their like loop and having to figure out how to start science search in the beginning um so for people who are going to graduate medicine i would say don't feel like afraid don't feel deterred by the fact that you've done something different before going because a lot of people do choose to go into grad med having done something completely different no definitely how was med school did it kind of reaffirm your decision to pursue medicine or was it like crap this isn't what i signed up for now I have to stick it through otherwise they're gonna call me you know a weakling or something how was that experience being in med school uh that's a good question and i think i i'm sure you guys you know went through it too but like as med students we all struggle with like the whole imposter syndrome and just like oh, i'm not good enough i i definitely failed that exam or whatever and you know, we constantly doubt ourselves um so definitely went through that a lot in med school and it didn't help that i set the usmle during med school and you know it was like such a difficult exam that it made me feel even worse about myself. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I ever really thought this is not for me. Like I've always thought, mm. you know, I want to do this. This is for me. I just have to find a way to push myself through it. Tell us a little bit about the highlights of your time at medical school. So when you think medical school, what memories come to mind? Um, so... Apart from exams and revision. <laughs> uh, I mean, there were definitely some like really daunting memories of sitting exams and coming out thinking I failed that exam. Um, but <laughs> I definitely made, you know, great friends from med school who are now lifelong mm. friends for me. Mm. That's definitely a huge highlight. And I think for a lot of us, you know, med students who are now doctors, going through med school and realizing, wow, I am capable of doing that and I can mm. go through that training and all of what is expected for me and be able to graduate and become a doctor, I think that's definitely a huge highlight because Five, six years ago, I would never have thought that this is where I would be and this is where I am right now. Yeah. And and so you said you sat the USMLE during med school. How? How? Oh On top of all of that <laughs> revision and work and you've decided to sit another exam and I've heard loads of stories about how that exam is relentless. Tell us a little bit about the thought process and how. Oh my gosh, like the thought of it is... <laughs> I, I still don't know how I managed to do that. And I think that's definitely one of my proudest and biggest achievements because I was in my second year at Warwick, which meant um, it was like a clinical plus. Um, so the first, I think the first four months were um, theory and then we had clinical. So it was an exam year. At Warwick, you didn't have exams every year. So that year was an exam year. I had to sit my mm. Warwick exam and then I was prepping for my USMLE. Um, I still don't know why I chose to do that. I think like I was just like, oh, the timeline worked out well, so this is what I'm going to do. But it was very, very stressful, um, you know, because the USMLE content is very different to what I feel med school in the UK is. Med school in the UK is very clinical driven, whereas the USMLE is very basic sciences driven. Um, mm. So I was studying for two different things at the same time, stressed out like crazy. I remember breaking out, you know, <laughs> I was just constantly doubting my ability to be able to do what I was doing. Um, so it was very, very difficult. Um, and whenever people in the UK ask me this is what they should do, I always tell them to just make sure they plan things out better than I did because I kind of just tried to do two exams at the same time, whereas I would recommend for people to do one after the other. Or like if you can do the USMLE before your clinical exam, that will give you a better foundation for your clinical exam. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was stressful. Just taking a step back, did you always want to mm. eventually go to America and practice there or kind of tell us about the thought process there? Sure. So um, 
two like big reasons. So some, it was something I've always thought about when I was under undergrad. I've always you know like, admired how innovative sciences in the U.S. and research is、mm. in the U.S. So I've always thought it would be a great place、mm. to go for training.、Um, and then throughout med school, I considered it, but it wasn't something that was on my mind until I was in my second year of med school,、um, just because I knew how many extra exams and steps I had to do to get to the U.S. So I was kind of putting it off.、Um, And so that was more like you know the the science and like innovation and like professional reasons,、uh, personal reasons wise. My husband's American, so it just makes、okay. sense for me to come here eventually. So it was you know like I、yeah. moved here, he would move over to wherever I was. So matching is a is a big thing. We always see like a hype around it. We don't necessarily understand what it is, especially here in the UK. Do you need to be matched in order to work in America, or can you? Go and work without being matched. How does that? What, what does it even、works? mean? Yeah, what does、yeah. it mean? <laughs> matching mean? <laughs> yeah, it's such a crazy thing. So med schools here, you know, they have a huge event for match day. It's like a party. Everyone opens their little envelope and find out where they end up going for work. So matching is a whole process. So in the U.S., when you apply for residency, you apply, you submit your applications in September. And between around October, end of October to February, are interview seasons. So you get interviews from whatever schools you apply to,、um, and then you know, before COVID, you you fly or you drive to the interviews, and then now it's all virtual.、Um, and then March, there's one week in March. It's the second week in March. Monday, you find out whether or not you've matched, and that's it. Like you've matched, you haven't matched, and and you don't know where. You just know whether or not you've matched. And between Tuesday and Friday. That's for people who haven't matched. They can go into like second, third, fourth rounds of matching processes, and then Friday is like the official match day where you find out where you've matched, what program you've matched into,、um, and you know where you're going to be essentially spending the next three to six years of your life. And in terms of matching,、uh, I imagine you have to get matched, and then you can kind of fly out there and work.、Mm-hmm. Um, and was anesthetic something you have always been interested in? How did that kind of Peak for you in your career? Yeah, so anesthesia is definitely something I've always been interested in.、Um, it started, you know, in med school、um, when I did a separate kind of like mission elective trip、um, in Nepal, where I worked with、um, an anesthesiologist who was amazing, and you know, he showed me、mm-hmm. like the skills of the trade, but also it was we had like a power outage in the middle of the surgery, and they were just so calm, and they continued doing、oh, wow. the surgery. I kept the patient ventilated, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, these people are amazing! They're so calm, they're so willing to teach."、Um, and that was like, you know, definitely a huge highlight for me for the whole specialty. And then throughout med school,、um, whenever I was on my clinical rotations, whether it was like surgery or OB,、um, the anesthesiologists were always the one that were like willing to teach me. I felt、um, very willing to、yeah. have me under their wings,、um, you know, let me do procedures and things like that. And then, Um, my undergrad had a lot of physiology and pharmacology as well, so it just kind of all tied in together to things that I was personally、mm-hmm. interested in and what I enjoyed.、Mm-hmm. And the lifestyle of anesthesiologists was like, pretty good. <laughs> so walk us through now. So medical school, you come to the end, you graduate. How have you sort of gone from the UK and ended up in America? What's happened in between there? So my plan was always to do. F one because I want to be GMC qualified and registered. You know, should、mm-hmm. I decide in the future if I want to come back to the UK, I have my GMC registration.、Yep. Um, okay. And I originally had thought, you know, maybe I'll do F two as well because I had some good rotations. 
but at the same time, I was trying to get over to the U.S. as quickly as possible. Um, because mm -hmm. at that point, uh, my husband and I were in a long distance relationship for nearly five years. So it was, I was kind of just weighing mm -hmm. things up. Like, should I stay in the U.K. to the U.S. or should I come over? Um, but coming over to the U.S. meant that I was not going to be working for nearly two years. So I actually took two years mm -hmm. off between F1 and starting residency, um, which was kind of a very difficult time for me because I wasn't sure like how that was going to look like in my applications. Um, and I was worried that I'll be de-skilled clinically. So I ended up taking yeah. a master's in public health. Um, so I finished off my master's in public health and then um, I set my exams June 2021 and then I started residency July 2021. Perfect. Amazing, amazing. And was the master's here in UK, what uni did you do at? So I did it with the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Okay, and I think that's quite popular. Having worked in the NHS as an F1, Mm -hmm. It is tough and, you know, we've all been there. Um, how do you compare it to working life in America? I'm sure there's always debate, you know, is life better there? Is the grass greener there? Um, tell us about experience having done both. Sure. Um, I think that's definitely something that we need to talk about, especially for a lot of people <laughs> like, oh, I, I want to come to the US because, you know, like you make a lot more money in the US and that's something that's on a yeah. lot of people's minds. Um, but mm. it's the grass greener. I think that really depends on like people's personal preferences and choice and priorities. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm, I'm now in my intern year, which is my F1 equivalent. Um, and I can say mm. that it's very difficult. You know, my work hours are double what I did in the UK. My average working <laughs> week here is 82 to 85 hours on average. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I take 24 to 28 hour calls very often. Um, mm. nights, for example, I did one whole month of nights in September where I worked 26 out of 30 nights in September. Wow. Um, so work hour wise, it's a lot harder here. Um, you know, you will, you, you're going to be pushed to your limits of exhaustion. Um, and weekends mm -hmm. here, especially in medicine, um, weekends are not like off. You work, you work six days a week. So work hours wise, very difficult in the US. And I think I definitely took it for granted when I was an F1 in the UK. Because I've worked half the hours. Mm. Um, but things like, you know, um, something that I know we had a lot of when we were F1s where we kind of, it felt like we were doing a lot of scrap work. Things like, you know, putting cannulas mm. in, taking patients' blood because it was just left behind for us to do. Here, most of the time, things like that are done. And I felt, I feel like here I'm involved in a lot more clinical decision than I was as an F1 back, mm. back in the UK. So mm -hmm. I do feel like education is a much bigger emphasis in the U.S. than it was in the U.K. Um, so, you know, it kind of just like weighs out what different people's priorities and what their um, preferences are. But one big thing yeah. that is different here compared to the U.K. is the, tr the year of training. For example, to finish, mm. you know, like to become a cardiologist, it's five years here in the U.K., it's 10 years. To become an anesthesiologist yeah. is four years here in the UK, it's eight to ten years, depending on what kind of like pathway you choose. So yeah, you work double the hours, but you finish it in half the time. So it kind of just mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. do you want to put in all your hard work now and then enjoy it like quicker, or do you want to just spread it out over ten years and then you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. definitely like it comes down to individual preferences. T tell us a little bit about so what are the culture differences that you've noticed? So being an F1 in the UK, how did you feel um, the culture was and how did you feel when you were interacting with consultants, registrars, SHOs and so forth? Mm -hmm. And what it's like where you are now, what's the culture like? 
Um, that's definitely something that I get asked about a lot as well because I think you know on TV and things like that, people like feel like there's a huge hierarchy with um, U.S. health system. But mm. here, I feel like I see my attendings daily and way more than I did in the UK. So my consultant equivalent.、Um, You know how in the UK, like your SHOs and your reg are kind of the ones. A lot of times, they're the ones that runs around. The attendings will come in and out and check things.、Um, here, your attendings are very involved. A lot of teaching.、Um, so there is definitely more. I would say a lot more education from like the more senior positions here in the US.、Um, but、mm-hmm. I think it's also specialty dependent because some specialties. When I was in the UK, you know, I felt like I was very part of a very part. Like very much a part of the team, whereas here, you know, sometimes I feel like there's a bit of a hierarchy.、Um, hmm. So it's definitely specialty dependent, but there's very good camaraderie here. Like I feel like I'm, you know, I'm very friendly with everyone. It doesn't matter if you're like a fifth year or a second year or first year. Like everyone just kind of works together as a team. But、um, things like writing notes, for example, is always left to the interns most of the time. So there's there's some things where it's like it's definitely like the F one of the intern's job,、um, but in terms of like teamwork and being able to work together and friendliness,、uh, I haven't really had a problem at all. Amazing, amazing. We've kind of touched on the the culture differences and kind of the work life balance in America and、mm-hmm. and the UK.、Um, there's always a bit of hesitancy when people are making the transition over. What have you found that was helpful? What do you wish you would have done before you made the leap over or transition? That you know, if anyone's listening to this that does want to make the move, any piece of advice? It can be you know, pack certain things in a suitcase or <laughs> luggage, or make sure you do this.、Um, it can be anything. I feel a bit quite insightful actually.、Um, I think one thing that a lot of people are afraid of moving over is you know, starting in a new country and not knowing anyone.、Um, And that's、mm. something that I definitely struggled with a lot when I first moved over here. So, just do not being afraid to do simple, like simple things, like going for walks in the local park to meet people. And for me, like I even joined things like Meet Up, the app, where you know I could see what local events there were, so I could just get to know people in my area as I integrate into like a new country.、Um, so that's something that I definitely, 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 you know, want. Everyone who's thinking about transitioning to a new country to keep in mind because it can get very isolating when you don't know anyone,、mm. um, and I struggle with that a lot. So that's more for you know like a general move transition thing,、um, and more specifically for moving over to become a doctor here from the UK. I think、mm. if you've done like especially for those who have done F one and F two and even more than that,、um, a lot of times like people are afraid that they're coming in as an international grad and they're not good enough. But I think it's So important、mm. to remember that coming in with all that experience, and especially even just like finishing med school in the UK, you have done so much. Your clinical experience is amazing, and I've always heard from the consultants slash attendants here that they're always impressed by UK grads because of how much we're able to do. Like, yeah, it may be great that you have nurses and phlebotomists here who are always on board with taking blood and putting cannulas in for you, but in the UK, because you、mm. you're trained and you know how to do that. You're you're just you know you have that skill that not everyone else here has, so yeah. Yeah. don't underestimate how much you know when you come here as a doctor. No, definitely, and I think that's quite reassuring because I think that the fear is always you go to a foreign country somewhere you're not familiar with, and there's always this 
assumption that you'll be treated differently. And I've mm. always heard, I don't know if it's true, that kind of they favour the natives, people that have studied and kind of worked there as to your IMGs. Uh, but what for your sake, it seems to be a bit more reassuring and that it is not as bad as it's kind of made out to be. It's, yeah, it's really important to remember that, you know, IMGs definitely do have it hard to come to the US because we have all that extra hurdles. Mm. But like like we said, don't underestimate how much you know and what you're what you're bringing to the plate and what you bring to the residency program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cynthia, give us an idea of what your week looks like because you said you've just come off an on call of over twenty hours. What does it look like day to day on an hour to hour basis? Where are you running from to tell us? Give us some insight. Sure. So I rotate in different rotations every month. Um, and that's very common here in the US, you know, in the UK you do four months or six months blocks. Here you change most time monthly. Um, so, mm. uh, so for example, this year, I started my year with one month of ICU and I went to medicine floors. I did a whole month of nights, then went to mm-hmm. a different medicine floor rotation. Then ICU again, uh, and then I did a month of general surgery. I'm now on my month of burn ICU. And then after that, I have another month of surgery. And then my last four months are anesthesia related. Um, so for example, mm-hmm. this month, um, every day, you know, you go in, um, your work week is usually six days a week. Um, on average, you get four days a week off a month. So days start anytime between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., depending oh, on wow. the location wow. you're on. <laughs> So on general surgical rotations, I would be in by 5, 5.30, the latest, because um, rounds are like by 6 o'clock, and then you, you're in the, like the team is in OLA by 7, 7.30. So your day starts very early, 5 a.m., or the latest I start at 7. Um, and your days end, depending on whether or not you're on call, um, or if you're mm-hmm. just doing a normal day, it can end anytime between 4 p.m. and anytime between 6 to 8 p.m., depending if you're on call. So that would be like a normal day. So you're working, you know, 12 to 14, 15 hours a day. If you're taking 24 hour in-house call, it goes up to 28 hours. Yes. Um, so for example, yesterday I was in by 6.30 and I got home this morning at around 9.30, 10 a.m. Um, and wow. I was, yeah, I was working. I mean, I, I had maybe three hours of sleep last night, but I was working most of my, all of yesterday and this morning. That is crazy. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not sounding too appealing for someone that loves sleep like uh, me. It's, it's um, tough. Like, I definitely struggle <laughs> with it. But I think the more you do it, the more you're like, hey, this is just a part of it. And then, you know, it, it will eventually end. Uh, but it is yeah. really tiring. No. I thought my 8 a.m. surgical ward rounds were early, but 5 a.m. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you go in for 5.30, you, round, you get all your, like, labs and your numbers and stuff. And you round with your team and then yeah and then they all go into the or so like, you have to round before everyone goes to the or no definitely and do you feel supported there um based on the level of training do you feel you can escalate things are you expected to know um how is that aspect of things yeah i definitely feel very supported um so whenever you're on call mm. on medicine and surgery it's that's always a mid-level and then a senior so the senior would be like a okay. registrar mm-hmm. equivalent and then the mid-level would be like an SHO equivalent. Um, so okay. there's always someone you can escalate to. And then attendings for on-call are usually very much on board, like the consultants. So some of them would, you know, just give you a number, anything, call them. So that's always someone to escalate things to um, and someone to go with you to assess like a very unwell patient. 
Um, so mm -hmm. yes, definitely very supported. Um, on the burn ICU though, this month when I'm on call, I'm the only person there. So it's just me okay. and then the nurses. Uh, if something happens, you know, I can call the attending if I need to, but most of the time, like I will try to fix it up, like figure it out on my own. Um, but yeah. I've never felt like I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know who to turn to because there's always someone to turn to. Mm -hmm. No. Amazing. Amazing. Definitely. Um, so your weeks are clearly really busy, clearly yeah. very long. <laughs> how are you how are you looking after your sort of your mental health, your social life, your life outside of medicine? Um, how do you unwind? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question because I feel like <laughs> I just haven't had time to do anything. Um, I definitely mm. do get very burnt out and my mental health definitely gets very affected by you know residency and work um so i have a dog which he's amazing so he definitely keeps me busy like you know i get out of the house to go for walks and things like that um from him um i try to facetime like friends abroad or like you know get together with local friends here whenever possible but that's hard because most of the time i get home and i just want to sleep and do absolutely nothing um and i do meet with like a counselor once a month right now just to be able to like you know debrief my month debrief my week week um just be able to talk through with someone um, who's trained in that area which i find very helpful mm. in terms of now debriefing that's a that's an interesting space so um how how do you feel that supports you because a lot of people don't actually do, there's loads of different other forms of, say, meditation or mm. um, having a diary to just put down thoughts. Um, how has that helped you in terms of debriefing your week? Because in the UK, on Twitter and everything, we see it a lot with medics sort of burnt out, stressed out. They take their work home with them in the sense that yeah. they're worrying over their patients whilst trying to sleep, essentially. Yeah. Um, how has that helped you? Um, so, yeah, I, like... I completely like relate with those things because there are times I'll wake up in the middle of the night at like 2 a.m. and I check on the app on my patient because I'm concerned about them, um, which is mm. bad for me, you know, but as doctors, it's something that we all have been through and, you know, we all kind of feel like some sort of emotional like um, connection with our patients. So, um, yeah. So diaries, definitely something that I do. I do write in a diary every night um, to just kind of like talk about my day and just get through, you know, whatever things that stand out for me in my day. Um, and then with my mm. counselor, like my therapist, she just gives me like helpful techniques, you know, like things to think about, ways like CBT mm. skills or DBT skills to be able to kind of, I guess, partition my mind to things that I should not think about when I'm home and things I should like focus on. Um, so that's all very helpful. I'm not saying that it works all the time because a lot of times I still go check on my patients on my phone. Um, but it's important skills that all of us as medics should have because it's so easy to be burnt out. It's so easy to like just continually carry yeah. so much emotional burden with us. Um, and for me personally, like having been through severe depression when I first moved to the US and having like had to go on antidepressants, like it's so much more important now to me to realize that I need to talk to someone so that I don't fall into that hole again. Mm. So, yeah, like I think having someone to talk to and like skills and like you said, meditation, whatever it may be for you that works, it's important to continue practicing mm. that. No, definitely. Um, thank you for sharing that. And I think a lot of listeners will find value in that. Um, sure. We want to also touch on 
that competitiveness in kind of places like America. Sometimes in the UK, you do notice, you know, this competitive, this dog eat dog behavior. You know, mm-hmm. everyone wants to rush into theater and, you know, they never help you with audits. How have you found in America? Is it something similar? Is it super competitive? Are there opportunities to progress in your career? Um, or is it a bit more laid back and people are more willing to help each other? I think getting into residency is where it's competitive because getting into residency is very difficult in the US um, and even more so as an international grad. But once you're in residency, everyone kind of, you know, most people are very helpful. Um, and most people love to work mm-hmm. together as a team to be able to like help progress together. So myself this year, there's four of us in anesthesia um, that starts this year and then there's eight more that joins us next year. Um, the four of us, you know, we help each other with study stuff, um, like questions and all of that. And I, yeah, I, I honestly don't know how we'll go through this year without them because I've found like, uh, you know, we're just a great support to each other. Um, so definitely, yeah. you know, like in, while you're in the program, everyone's helpful and help you get through it because everyone knows how tough it is and we get through it together. But before applying, um, and when you're applying, I definitely see some, like, like you said, doggy dog behavior where people just aren't as helpful because everyone's like fighting for a spot in residency. Definitely. And I think that's nice to hear and kind of, it's reassuring as well, because the last thing you want is to go to a different country, kind of be stuck by yourself, have no one there to support or help you and in like a very cutthroat, competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Um, something interesting we saw the other day on Twitter was um, another doctor who was in the UK, studied here, went to America um, and I think he's an attending now. And they mentioned that if someone were to come to him and ask, would you be a doctor? Like, can, do you recommend being a doctor? They would say no. Having gone through what you've gone through, kind of been in the process, what are your thoughts? Because as you can, I'm sure you know, a lot of doctors are leaving the NHS. A lot of doctors mm. are leaving the profession to go into med tech or consulting. Um, I don't know what the situation is in America, but I um, just want to hear if you had any thoughts on that matter. Yeah, there are quite a few people that I know here in the US who graduate from med school and don't plan to practice medicine. They just go into, um, like you said, med tech or um, consulting or mm. um, hedge fund related um, you know, positions. Um, I think like med school definitely teaches you a lot of skills that a lot of people outside mm. of medicine want you to, want to have in their um, employees and in their team. You know, like med, like mm. you said earlier, being in med school is a huge commitment. It's like there's a lot of determination, grit, hard work. So those are great skills to have outside of medicine. I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that, mm. which is why they want that. Um, but whether or not like you know, like if I would recommend for someone to be a doctor, I think that's a very tough question because it's very, mm-hmm. very personal. Um, you know, it ultimately comes down to your personal drive. Like, why did you want to be a doctor? Or why did you choose to go mm-hmm. to med school? Because, um, you know, like a lot of people will tell you things like money and there's a lot of other ways to earn <laughs> Like without having to go through like Definitely. crazy, crazy training to like earn um, money, you could do something else and earn money so much faster. Um, but you know, like if you're, if it's something that you feel committed to doing, like you see yourself practicing it, um, because it's something that you're passionate about, then like, by all means, that's what you should do. Um, I've had friends in med school who dropped out. I've had friends in med school who have practiced for two, three years and now decided that that's actually not what they enjoy and not what they want to do. So I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really tough question because I get asked all the time, like, would you do anything else? 
And honestly, I wouldn't. Yeah. But I know a lot of people who would. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. No, it's surprising to. I feel there is a disparity in terms of what you think medicine and being a doctor is going to be like to mm. when you actually do it. And you've, you've definitely worked in the UK. So there is also another dispar- discrepancy between how medical teaches medicine and what life is like as a junior doctor, F1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've noticed is when you do speak to people and you say, do you really enjoy your job? Are you actually happy that you are a doctor? You've kind of gone through that graph. It's quite surprising for us to hear like a lot of people to be frank hate their job super mm-hmm. frustrated super burnt out um so when we do see people like yourself promoting what you're doing sharing your journey on instagram coming on to, to a show like this it's, it's reassuring mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of medical students are kind of getting the run end of the stick and seeing a lot of negativity out there yeah. and kind of questioning their decisions i know people already you know second third year thinking oh my god have i made the right decision i'm not yeah. looking forward to becoming a junior doctor you, you know what's really interesting as well, though, when you look at doctors who aren't, say, who are out of training, who are locuming, just doing the odd shift here and there, mm-hmm. when they're well rested, when they're well fed, uh, when they've got a good sort of balanced social life, you notice that they actually do love being a doctor. Yeah. So part of the reason <laughs> is, I think, is being absolutely overworked and mm-hmm. burnt to a crisp, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people do love, a lot of medics do genuinely love being a doctor, but it's just that the system and the demands of health and healthcare um, upon us is is so great that it, it can become extremely difficult. So Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. We're conscious of time. We know you, I don't even want to count how many hours this will be <laughs> added to, to the time of the week. Um, just... Two more questions and we promise we're going to wrap it up. Sure. Um, what does the future look like for you, Cynthia? Do you want to stay in America? Do you want to become America's next best anesthesiologist? Like, <laughs> tell us what the future holds for you. <laughs> um, I am very open to, you know, moving again. If I if that opportunity comes up, I like I don't have a set timeline or stone, you know, like this is where I want to be for the rest of my life. But this is definitely where I'm going to be for the foreseeable future. I'm, you know, I'm definitely going to finish mm-hmm. up my training in the U.S. Um, so the next four years, my anesthesia training, and then I'll probably do a fellowship as well. So here you can go okay. to the subspecialty of a specialty. Um, so yeah, that is the plan. But you know, like we like we spoke about on this um, episode, a balance is really important to me. So I'm also going to make sure that I have that in my future. Like I would not give up a good balance like having my mental health in check um to focusing Definitely. on becoming the best doctor if that means my mental <laughs> health gets affected i would love to be the best i can be but um you know i'm I, no. yeah like whatever the future holds i'm open to whatever comes my way no Amazing. definitely and we like to hear that you're kind of open to change and you've clearly embraced it kind of moved from different countries at different stages of your career so far um to wrap it up what advice would you give to other people who are on a similar journey Mm -hmm. or maybe who feel a bit demotivated a bit stuck what words of wisdom or inspiration can you give i think it's always important to think back to your why and finding your why Mm. i know this sounds very cliche but times where i you know was studying for the usmle for example like i was saying i'm like why am i even doing this or times where I'm like pushing myself through 
my difficult time during depression and like pushing myself to be able to get to apply for applying for residency. I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, so just being able to go back and find like what your why is, why you're doing this, and use that like, like as a push, you know, like as a push to get get your motivation back, as a push to be able to go to the next step. But also remembering that it's never mm. easy. It's not it's not going to be a smooth sailing journey. You know, there's gonna be a lot of bumps in the way. Um, but just take it as it goes, and you never know what's gonna come up and what's gonna happen. Like I never knew that I would end up being an anesthesiology resident here in the U.S., and here I am. So. <laughs> No. amazing that's that's so that's amazing um thank you for sharing your journey kind of being open um we really do hope you all the best it'll be awesome to see catch up in a few years when you're attending um and i feel like a lot of value has been given here to a lot of medics and people listening to it because i think there's a lot of fear of the unknown mm. it's always very difficult to see the other thing i wanted to mention is is People can see your Instagram and be like, you know, look at Cynthia. She's doing so well. You know, she smashed it. You know, she's she's a resident in America. And, you know, they think it's overnight success. But I'm sure yeah. it's come with its fair share of difficulty and obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just highlighting that to listeners as well. Because, um, you know, this stuff does come with hard work and anything worth yeah. having isn't easy, right? Definitely. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. I really enjoyed being able to chat with you both and just speak to hopefully people who are coming down this journey themselves yeah no it's been a pleasure. pleasure thank you cynthia and a massive thank you to our listeners